This week opened with some good news in the long-running trade battle between the U.S. and China when Donald Trump agreed to delay the big hike in tariff rates that had been scheduled for March 1st. U.S. and Chinese investors cheered the move, but the issues haven't been solved, not even close. I'm Alex Yule. Welcome to The Readback. This week, we're talking to Barron's senior writer, Reshma Kapadia, who spent months covering the trade war and much of her career following emerging markets. She's also the author of Barron's latest cover story on China and the U.S. Hi, Reshma. Hi, Alex. How are you? This is a first for The Readback. You're Skyping in from our bureau in D.C., so it's great to have you here. Thank you. So after spending much of 2018 worried about trade and relations between the U.S. and China, investors are suddenly not so worried anymore. Stocks have been doing great this year, largely on what seems to be improved relations between the U.S. and China. But Reshma, you're not convinced. Tell us why. You're right, Alex. There is a lot of optimism about a trade deal. And even if we do get to a trade deal, there is a much larger situation brewing. And that has to do with sort of a technology competition between these two economic superpowers. And that is a battle that is not going to end anytime soon. It could be years. So you use this phrase, the Cold War in tech. Explain to us a little bit more about why that phrasing was used here. It sounds dramatic, but I think you have some pretty good reasons for it. One reason that a lot of policy folks talked to me about was, you know, that in the past we think about sort of military might as as sort of dominating steel or coal production and things like that. But going forward from here, it's really about technology. Just to kind of take it back a couple steps, you know, we've had complaints and warnings from companies that have been doing business in China for years about having to give up their technology or even having technology stolen. And all of this has kind of come into the fore in the last year with charges that the U.S. has brought against major Chinese telecom companies. And if you're paying attention, we've actually seen a lot of headlines of late that would help you understand that point, that these things, while trade might be going a little bit better, certainly a lot of the tensions around technology are still there. Definitely. Over the last year, we've seen some quite dramatic headlines, actually. In April, for example, the U.S. restricted exports to a Chinese company called ZTE. Chairman of ZTE held a press conference to protest the seven-year ban imposed by the U.S. Commerce Department. The U.S. restricted any exports to them. And just to give you a little bit of a refresher of the background, a ZTE actually pled guilty last year to violating U.S. sanctions and supplying to Iran. They need chips to make their products work from the U.S. And so it basically crippled their production, which jeopardized something like 80,000 jobs in China. But there was also sort of blowback here in the U.S. because there were companies that were major suppliers to ZTE. There was a company called Acacia Communications whose stock fell 30% because ZTE was its major customer. And, and many of the larger chip makers also lobbied the Trump administration because they were feeling the pain. And so within three months, the Trump administration decided to reverse the ban and instead imposed a $1 billion fine on ZTE. So that was just an example of sort of how taking actions on one front can have unintended consequences on another front. Right. And we um, went from ZTE then to a few months later talking a lot more about Huawei, right? Right. We saw the U.S. basically arrest the chief financial officer of Huawei while she was transiting through Canada. 
Meng Huangzhu was reportedly detained in Vancouver. The same day as China and the U.S. signed a temporary trade war truce. Her arrest now throwing the ceasefire into doubt. The company is said to have been investigated over alleged violations of sanctions. The shock arrest only became public on Wednesday and drew strong condemnation from Chinese state media. And to add a twist, she happens to be the daughter of the founder of Huawei. And Huawei has really become kind of the main player in all this, right? I mean, that's where so many of the headlines have been about. Tell us a little bit more about who Huawei is. Sure. So Huawei is this company that has really kind of exploded on the scene in the last 10 years. They create their own phones, which are very popular in China and many parts of the emerging world. But they also help create 5G networks. You know, they're basically creating their their components go into 5G networks and mobile networks of all sorts. And, and the so, trick is that they're cheaper in many cases than U.S. manufacturers or European manufacturers, right? Yes, they are cheaper and they actually have better quality technology. And that is why they're the number one telecoms network provider globally. You don't find them as much here, although some rural operators do use them. But they are very popular all through Europe and through the emerging world. And why does this have the U.S. suddenly so worried? So the U.S. is worried because just how core mobile networks are. You know, I think when we hear about 5G, it's something out in the future and it is still out there in the future. But if all of these predictions about 5G come true, we're going to have it's going to basically be the pipeline for everything from, you know, the cars on the road to manufacturing, robotic surgery and even sort of weapons systems. And so the U.S. is concerned that any of these networks that use Huawei technology, for example, could be used as a backdoor to spy or potentially even cyber attack whatever country the network is installed in. You have a pretty dramatic quote in your story from a geopolitical expert basically saying the risk here is that one day China says we're just going to shut it all off. Yes. He says the perception is just too much of this information and communications technology supply chain is centered on China. It basically is in 1,500 networks globally in 170 different countries. And so while we don't use it, Europe is very dependent on it. And so the U.S. has basically been pressuring European allies to rethink the use of Huawei in their networks. I mean, Huawei has definitely denied all of these allegations, you know, has said the U.S. needs to produce proof that, you know, we're doing this, we're not connected to China, we're a privately held company. But this has been a warning that we've had out for years and prior administrations as well. And the worries have been escalating. And I think from a Cold War perspective, it's also interesting to point out, there have been a lot of headlines just in the last few weeks about all the pressure that the U.S. is putting on its allies to basically say, hey, guys, this is a serious issue. Choose sides. We don't use Huawei and we don't think you should either. Right. This kind of creates the complicated situation that we're all under, right? Because unlike the last Cold War, this one is harder to kind of divide people into different camps because of the way technology is used. And so Secretary Pompeo has definitely been pushing allies to rethink Huawei. And and many countries have said that they were reviewing it. The UK had been reviewing it and countries like Australia did ban Huawei. But there has also been pushback, you know, from Germany, for example, and, and 
even now the UK that are sort of rethinking whether they're able to use Huawei in some parts of their network. And I think that that kind of comes to this idea that we're not going to be able to just necessarily depend on our allies to just cut out technology that they have basically embedded into their systems right. and at great cost. Right. I mean, it's easy for us to talk about banning Huawei. U.S. companies haven't really relied on it, right? But if Europe also wants 5G and if Huawei is a big part of that push, asking them to ban Huawei also is essentially asking them to halt their 5G progress. Exactly. And, you know, Europe is already a little bit behind in 5G versus other regions of the world. And so to ask them to do this is a, is a big ask. It's a big ask. And it, right. Yeah. And it seems like we're seeing some pushback at this point in time. And, and as scary as a tech Cold War sounds, I thought your story was really interesting because there are opportunities for some companies here and you lay them out. Can you just talk to us a little bit about about that? Sure. I mean, I think that when you hear tech cold war, you think that everyone is going to go into the bunker, right? But there are definitely opportunities. So there are companies that are going to be caught in the past fire. And a lot of the chip companies, for example, are those companies that are in the middle of this because they are at the heart of a lot of these technologies and potential export restrictions and, and things like that. But, you know, there are also companies that are in good position. They can benefit as, you know, Chinese companies like Huawei are banned elsewhere. You know, the Cisco's and the Nokia's of the world that compete against Huawei, for example. And then there's also the Chinese internet companies. So if you think that it's going to get harder for China to get its hands on technology, the chances are they're going to just beef up their investments to make sure that that innovation happens in China. And companies like Baidu or Alibaba and Tencent, which have been the hubs of innovation and have been major investors in startups all over the world, are likely to benefit. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Reshma, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Alex. You can read Reshma Kapadia's cover story on the Cold War in tech in Barron's This Week and, as always, on Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday. <laughs>